Well, it's funny because I had a crush on Garth's girlfriend from the second one, who looks just like. Her. Oh well, that's that's like she, yeah. Uh, who is, is it? That? Somebody actually famous? Yeah, it is. She's in, she won an Oscar at some point. To you. What? <laughs> she did. She won an Oscar for something. Moon's World Two. Let's see here. I can't remember her name, but for sure, she's like a classically like beautiful person. Okay. It's Bowie versus Tillian. Is this you and I am glowy? Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy or a villain. Oh, it's time, time for Bowie versus Tillian. Hello, and welcome to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And today, dear listeners, we are diving into the year 2003. But before that, we've got a little housekeeping to do. Uh, last episode, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you may remember that uh, I told you that superfan Lindsay gave us the idea to do a year in fro. And it was a great idea, and I wasted all of your time by doing all of the previous episodes of the year. Especially in mine. Yeah, mostly Charlie's, but, but mostly mostly all of our fans. And uh, I'm not apologizing again, by the way. I won't do it. But anyway, superfan Lindsay, she wrote in to tell us that she did not, in fact, come up with the idea. Someone else did. And Chaz and I, because we're super organized and we're really <laughs> good at this... We lost the email or whatever it was with this fan that gave us this great idea. A tweet, Facebook post, we really don't remember where we You know, it could have been on the interwebs. It could have been, it could have been, you know what? I think I got it in the mail and I recycled it. Somebody (laughs) sent us some snail mail with that idea. Now, I had a moment where I thought perhaps that I had imagined it, that I was dreaming, that uh, this great idea came to me. from from somewhere inside my soul, but Ch- Chaz seems to think that he read it somewhere too. So yeah, I feel like I read it somewhere too. To that fan, I don't. I don't take. I don't regularly read your soul, Jake. <laughs> you should. I, I, my soul not has every a, day. My soul has a blog. You should check it out. Every few weeks, maybe I check it. Check it. Hey, I work really hard. My soul works really hard on that blog. <laughs> Soulblog.com. You ever Soulblog.com. Soulblog. <laughs> it's a blog. Uh, so anyway, that's that's what I have to say about that. Please, fan, so hey, right back in, in. And we will shout you out on the next episode and give you credit where credit is due. Absolutely. And that's what we're all about here is credit. So that was a very Good. special retraction action. <laughs> on to you, Chaz, for David Bowie in the year hey, 2003. 2003. Hey, 2003 was a year... In the 2000s, where Bowie did something. That was a year in the 2000s? Which was good. He had not quite... This is the last year before the famous or infamous, whichever you prefer, Dave Cation. A name I'm just going to keep using until I read it, somebody else using it, and then I'm going to get mad at them for retasting my No, idea. no, 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 no. You're going to get so excited that your name is on the internet. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. My name went somewhere and did something. Totes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but this was his last year before the dedication began, which we'll touch on just briefly later on. Ooh, let's touch uh, on This that. is the reality year. He released an album called Reality, and it's one of those years, sometimes an album just like completely colors everything that happens the entire year, Jay. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with me. Like, that, that's all that, that this, this year is about is this album. And everything else that happens is related to the album. Dylan, years. Dylan usually like moves on from his album, like, 
10 minutes after it comes out, or maybe even before <laughs> it comes out, but I, I understand uh-huh. what you're saying about a normal pop star, that that's what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, Bowie, you know, especially in earlier years, didn't always tour off of everything, mm-hmm. uh, but later years, it was pr- more of a, like, regular album cycle, you know, release the album, go in a million talk shows, mm-hmm. do tour, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. This oh, yeah. is very much part of this. So, this is part of his, quote, neoclassic rock end quote period yeah we need to uh, find can you can you get a better name for that I, well it's this is uh his dad rock period dad rock it's yeah I bon, know, jo- bon jovi hair don't care period oh that's better i like <laughs> I that believe i named it in the eras podcast now we're cooking with gas episode. bon yeah, jovi yeah. hair don't care call bon it that jovi from hair now don't on. care <laughs> uh it's in that period where I he's like it. making just straight you know pretty straightforward rock type stuff uh he apparently wrote the reality album with the in explicit intention of touring it. So he wanted to rock an album to tour. Oh, you got it. He, he did it. Got to rock. Got to rock to tour. It's very similar to his, his earlier album, his previous album, uh, Heathen, from the year before, but definitely more uh, more rocky. Okay. Rocking. So the tour is what he spent most of his time doing. It is a reality tour. Mm. And it ultimately ended up being his longest tour ever. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting uh, 40, synergy. 42 I, I shows? I think you'll appreciate it. it was 112 shows, which Whoa! is as long as Dylan's 112th tour, longest <laughs> tour. Which it's is amazing. interesting that they lined up like that, you know? Yeah. Hey, uh, Dylan only, sneak peek, Dylan only managed 98 this year. Whoa, <laughs> so he couldn't even crack 100. One of two years ever where Bowie toured more. Oh, my god. Although, gosh. no, no, Jake, this is 112 for the tour. I don't know how many did into that. I'll figure it out while you're oh. talking. Oh. So because it extended well into 2004. Oh. I don't know how many were in 2003. So Dylan, Dylan oh. wins again. <laughs> That's what you're trying to tell me. Oh, probably. <laughs> probably. He beats everyone at this game. Uh-huh. So this ended up being Bowie's final tour. He oh, uh, had a heart attack tour. in, like, May of 2004, and then did a couple more shows after that because he didn't realize he had a heart attack, and then he was really not doing well and had to go to the hospital and uh, and never toured again. Never did another full show again. Just did a couple, like, live songs and never did anything else after about 2008 live. So... That's all very disappointing, especially for a guy like me that was not a full-blown fan of David Bowie yet in 2003 and 2004. That mm. I never got to see him. Yeah. Not even close, really. Never. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I know. So let's talk about Bowie. He was he was comfortable. He was healthy, Jake. He was good-looking. He was he was his hot dad, hot dad period. He was, I, just hot dad. he was a super hot dad. And it, He was funny in interviews. He yeah, was like, charming. working out and just like... Uh, there's this, uh, I was watching this live show that was recorded for a bonus and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, at one point he takes off his jacket and the uh, the crowd's just hooting and hollering. Oh no. They, they're just hoping he takes off his shirt. He doesn't do it, but they want him to get Like it's Saturday night at the Chippendales factory. <laughs> you know, Woo! Exactly like that, <laughs> apparently. I don't know. I, I imagine that Bob Dylan would have gotten the exact opposite reaction in 2003 <laughs> if he, for some reason, took off his suit. <laughs> Yeah, but he's one of those guys that I feel like it's like the uh, uh, George Clooney effect. Mm. I think he got better looking in middle age mm-hmm. than he was mm-hmm. when he was younger. No doubt. I think Bob Dylan's so. been Vincent Price for the last sixty years. But <laughs> we did George Clooney there, Bowie. Just George Clooneying. Way to Clooney, Clooney it up. Or did George. or did Clooney Bowie? Are we? 
No? I don't know. I don't know. Come I don't on, know. Chaz. Hey, let's talk about some notable other songs that are not on reality, because he did a lot. He contributed to a lot of different things here. And I'm going to get you some, uh, some multiple choice questions coming up soon here, Jake, because we, we need that kind of thing around here. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm here for okay, it. Okay, so. I'm here for it. In 2003, he re-recorded one of his biggest hits of all time, Rebel Rebel. <laughs> Why? But okay, go He ahead. re-recorded for mm-hmm. a crappy sequel. Mm-hmm. To what? And Jake, so Jake, which one of the following crappy sequels did he record this song for? Whoa. Just all, just, all, all of which were released in 2003. Only one, you're saying. <laughs> only one. You picked the one. Was yeah. it? Oh, no. Bad Boys 2. Okay. Five Kids 3D, Game Over. <laughs> Best movie ever. Go on. Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, what? Charlie's Angels 2, Full Throttle. <laughs> Or Legally Blonde to Red, White, and Blonde. Oh my gosh, this is this is a great question. It's a great question. I, I really totally, this one. I totally know the answer to this. He definitely re-recorded Rebel, Rebel for one of these movies. I've forgotten for all the choices already, but what my heart wants, Jazz, is it for it to be Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> Incorrect, Jay. Oh, wait, wait, wait let, let me give a real answer. Okay, Legally Blonde to uh, Charlie's Angels. Uh, two. 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 <laughs> two. <laughs> well, obviously, they're all sequels. Uh, what were the other ones? Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. And Bad Boys 2. Let me go... Let me go Legally Blonde. Incorrect. Oh, I suck at this. Incorrect. What is it? It was Charlie's Angels 2. Shut up! All because maybe... Because it came out in the 70s, and that's the 70s TV show? I maybe that's know. why? I don't know. Chaz, call Apparently, at one point... Now, here's the thing, Jake. I have vague recollection that maybe I watched this movie at one point. I can't imagine why. Those were popular movies. I definitely saw the first one. I don't know. I, I had a crush on Drew Barrymore in middle school. This yeah. may be related. Were you but going... by this time, I would have been like, by 2003, though, I was in college. I can't imagine that I was, no. I definitely wasn't still holding the torch by that point. Were you going... Burned out many years before that. Were you going through puberty, and you just wanted to go check, a, check, some, check, check some ladies out on the big screen? In 2003? 2003? Yeah. Again. Yeah. Well, I'm just... <laughs> hey, some I was, of us... I was old enough to buy, like, purchase pornography. Some of us were... Some, some of us... Some of us... Charlie's Angels, if that was the one I made. Some of us were late bloomers, Chaz. <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> who. In 21 in 2003, yes, okay? <laughs> could legally anyway, drink. Apparently, at one point in the movie... I couldn't find a clip of this online. Oh, that's that, a but At one point in the movie, Drew Barrymore dresses up as a professional wrestler named Lady Insane. With the Aladdin Insane... Uh, Whoa! Lightning bolt across really? the and fights while the re-recording of Rebel Rebel plays. That makes zero sense, but I, I, that's cool. Neither did the Charlie's Angels movies. <sighs> they, they involve a lot of like costumes, dressing up, and like you know espionage shenanigans. Uh, can I can I interject with a deep thought? Always, Jake. I have a deep Always. thought for you. Um, You're a deep guy. You everybody knows. Here it is. Everybody, I'm just everybody, I'm just gonna say it. I've been thinking about it, and I just want to say it. Here it goes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's not enough to know the meaning of things. Sometimes we have to know what things don't mean as well. <laughs> I'm going to guess that that was Bob Dylan from an interview in 2000. All right, I'm going to give you right? I'm going to give you one more. You've guessed you've guessed incorrectly, but you've got the right oh, person. You've got oh. the right person. But let, let me yeah. just let me just you know what? I'm just thinking about this stuff. Let me just put it out there. <laughs> in my father's world, you do not take what is his, not his gold. Not as silver, not as woman. I thought I was doing it for my mother, 
I thought I was doing it for my country. Ultimately, I know I was doing it for me. In the end, it's the strongest arm that straightens the bow. <laughs> uh oh. You know, you go on. I've got a couple more deep thoughts coming up, but you just go on. You know, you know what I'm picturing? Yeah. I'm picturing Drew Barrymore dressed up as Lady Insane saying that. <laughs> I think she should have. Uh, I didn't find I didn't find pictures of her dressed up as Lady Insane. It was so wait a minute. Your middle your middle school crush dressed up as your like music crush in a movie and like fought as I mean that's kinda that's kinda wild. <laughs> I'm gonna explain this to my therapist in years to come, I'm sure. I think you should go there right now and explain that to your therapist. But that all depends on if I've actually seen this movie or not, which I can't I can't remember. I saw one of them. Maybe it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter know. anymore. It's no. lost to the mists of time. Yeah, I don't know. Chess, let me just tell you something. All of us, all of us, in some way, are trying to kill time. When it's all said and done, time ends up killing us. Uh huh. <laughs> time may change, but I can't trace time. <laughs> I can't <laughs> trace <laughs> time. Hey. Yeah. I got another multiple choice. We're just gonna just go right in here with another oh. big fat choice question. I'm ready to uh, get it wrong. Okay. This is one of my famous, because Bowie does so much crazy crap in some years. I know. This is my famous, which one of these did he not do, Jake? Okay, he didn't do one right. of these things. He did not do one of these things. He did all the rest of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did he not, uh, did Bowie do guest vocals on a Lou Reed album based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe? For sure he did that. Did he do guest vocals on an album called Breasticles? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> was in 2003 a mashup of Bowie and Philip Glass's cover of Bowie released by Aphex Twin. Uh, Bowie did guest vocals for guitarist of Bowie's who was an aficionado of Newfoundland dogs. Wait, wait, say that last one again. That didn't make any sense. Bowie did guest vocals uh-huh. for a guitarist. This is why did he do that? I'm like stating these things as if he did them. If yeah, no, know. no, I gotcha. I didn't hear the, the words Bowie didn't make sense. Bowie did guest vocals for a guitarist of Bowie's who was okay. an aficionado of Newfoundland dogs. Okay. Probably so. <laughs> I would imagine that you don't lose your affinity for Newfoundland dogs. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I didn't. Uh, well, an all-remix compilation was released featuring contributions from The Scum Frog. I don't know what that is. Or our last choice is Bowie re-recorded Rebel Rebel for Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Well, now... I know the answer now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you that one. Just give you that one. Thank you. Wait a minute. What? I don't want to know, but I guess you should tell us. What is what is breasticles and why? Oh, we're, oh, we're going to come back. We're, oh, we're, 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 oh, we're coming back around. This is just, oh, yeah. I can't just leave these leave these, these morsels, just these juicy morsels, just, just hanging there. Just, you know, I, going untasted, Jake. Please. You know what, Chaz? I just, I have to say to that, happiness, <laughs> happiness can't be pursued it either comes to you or it don't. You go on with your breasticles. I disagree with that, Bob. I don't agree <laughs> with that. Well, you can't disagree with it. It's a rhetorical statement. Well, I disagree with it. I can't. I can definitely disagree with rhetorical statements. I just can't answer them because they're rhetorical. Chaz, that's it's too smart for this podcast right now. All right. So, so choice number one, which was zero, was Boyd, Bowie did guest vocals on a Lou Reed album based on the works of Ed Groen. Yeah, I think I heard about that actually. Yeah, I mean, this is weird. It was based, It's called The Raven. Right. It also features uh, the voice talents of Willem Dafoe, Steve Buscemi, mm. Laurie Anderson, who mm. was American, so that makes a lot of sense, and Ornette Coleman. Ornette Coleman. 
Yeah, talk. No, it's kind of an odd uh, combo here. That is an odd combo. Here. I like it. I like it. It was originally a theatrical work with Reed rewriting Poe, apparently. I don't know. He's rewriting Poe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, don't, okay. I didn't hey. listen to the whole album. Hey, I wasn't hey, hey. interested. He was a, I, list, I listened to the song that Bowie's on, and it was crap. He was a very... <laughs> Lou Reed was a very normal guy, is what I heard about him. Super normal. He's just totally Typical normal. guy. Typical no. guy. Yeah, well, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, the song was... It was bad. It was real, real bad. Okay. All right, moving on. Bowie did guest vocals on an album called Breasticles. Oh. Sure did. He sure did. The uh, artist's name is Christine Young. Mm-hmm. It was... Uh, produced by Tony Visconti, who oh. was Bowie's longtime producer, off and on, and this time, at this point, definitely on again. And so that's where the connection was that Tony, uh, old TV, asked Bowie to come on in and do some guest vocals, and he did it. Uh, I have to say, Jake, that I listened to the song and it was it was great. It was a really good song. It was great. Really I went ahead and listened to some more songs from the album, and I liked them. And like, I I want to listen to some more songs in this album, and maybe even purchase it. That's how that's you're, how much I enjoyed this song. You're gonna purchase you're something called there. called Breasticles. I may at one point own an album named Breasticles. Yeah. Okay. Well, now here's what I have to say. Just hearing about like this. Christine Young. Yeah. So it okay. is a fe- it's a female artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that makes it a totally different ballgame. Like when you said the word yeah. Breasticles, yeah, no, that's true. That's I thought true. it was like a cock rock band or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's true. It's just true. like doing some sort of throwback. You know, like Eagles of Death Metal. They that band that like just. Acted like an '80s hair metal band in the 2000s. Yeah. It's kind of sounded like that, but I'm yeah, sure there's some like I, postmodern reason that she called it that. So I mean, well, okay. it's fine, I'm fine. Like a dude, a dude names an album that, and it's just like douchey. And a woman does that. You assume Jeez. there's some kind of like feminist undertones or something like exactly. that. You know, it's a commentary on something. Because I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking of like Limp Biscuit naming albums like <laughs> totally. <was> <laughs> I don't know, like starfish water. What is? What is I don't know. Chocolate starfish awful. water face. I don't know. And well, it's like obviously about a butthole. You know, he's always talking about. Like, and there's ones like you know, <laughs> lemonade and chocolate brownie. Like this, you name your album this. You know, like this is okay. Anyway. But then, but then you have like the butthole surfers who do it on purpose, like on purpose, on purpose. It like goes yeah, past yeah. being. It goes past being. Uh, offensive into being like a commentary on offensiveness because they're exactly because they're like making fun of the bros who right. are just saying this stuff yeah. right yeah. and then they yeah. set they set crap on fire on stage and then the flaming yeah. would steal their entire show and that just happened yeah they did, they did. <laughs> that's what i heard that's true well yeah there's yeah. a documentary that indicates that they basically did that yes yeah it was made by the flaming web so it's it's okay they're not hiding it not anymore. The early show. The early show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up was a mashup of Bowie and Philip Glass's cover of Bowie, released by Apex Twin. Uh, that sounds cool. It's Heroes. I think you've heard this song, Jake. I think I've shared it on a mix at some point. Oh, okay. Is it good? Uh, so it's Heroes. So, you know, Philip Glass did two different uh, symphonies based on the works of Bowie. Uh, one, well, actually, he's on, he's on three now. He's on three now. One of them was just last year. Uh, he did Low and Heroes, and Lodger just was... Really, it has not come out on any kind of physical or any kind of format, like, for us to listen to. Right. I used to last year. For us, so, pe- for us people. I'm waiting for that one to be released on, you know, CD or vinyl or digital or whatever. <laughs> whatever, man. Hey, whatever it is. Cassette whatever, tape. Whatever. Give it to us. But uh, what Aphex did, Aphex Twin took Bowie's vocals from Heroes and put them over mm. the, you know, symphonic mm-hmm. version of Heroes by Philip Glass. And then added some like creepy sound effects because he's Apex Twin. That's what well, he does. He's got it. It's pretty amazing. Effect. It's a pretty amazing track. That sounds. It amazing. actually originally came out 
and a very limited edition of Philip Glass's Heroes album in 1997. Okay. Uh, but, like, nobody had that. And so he put it on a compilation, his own Apex Twins' own compilation in uh, 2003. And uh, that's how I first heard it was through the compilation. And it's, it's really awesome. Well, you know, Chaz, some of us pursue perfection and virtue. And if we're lucky, we catch up to it. Mm. Hmm? That makes you think, doesn't it? getting annoying and uh, (laughs) frustrating. That. That thing you just did. What am I? I'm I'm just just spitballing here. I'm just Uh off the top Uh of my dome, you know? Hey, Bowie did guest vocals for guitarists of Bowie's, who is an aficionado of Newfoundland, 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 yeah, dogs. 3,000th. Newfoundland. The guitarist in question was Earl Slick. Everybody knows Who appeared Earl. on such albums as Young Americans, mm-hmm. Station to Station, mm-hmm. and then a long break, and came back on Heathen, Reality, mm-hmm. The Next Day, and several random live albums. How have I not... How have, this, that's a lot of albums. How have we not heard well, of Mr. 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 Slick Earl yet? Slick. He's Slick. His name is Earl Slick. He's Earl Slick. <laughs> that's name, a great if name. If it was Mick Slick, we would, he would be Oh, from now on, he is Mick Slick. Is he still alive? Mick Slick. Mick Slick. Oh man, that would be good. That's so good. That's almost as good as Mick Rock, but not quite. It would be a very solid number two. Number two? You think Mick Slick would be number two? Oh, I mean number three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Number three. Mick Jagger? Yeah. Uh, like a millionth at this point. He's <laughs> getting so good, Mick Jagger. <laughs> I don't hate him. I just don't think he's. I just don't think he's worthy of the Mick moniker. The Mickaker. Right. The moniker. Right. The, the moniker. The Micker. The moniker. Micker. Got it. <laughs> Nailed it feels it. like it should be coming here, but it just isn't, is it? I know, but I tried every iteration, and it's over. Yeah, all right. It's fine. Uh, so Earl Slick's album was called Zigzag, but it was originally titled Noofs, a term of endearment for Newfoundland dogs. <laughs> this is fantastic. It changed to Zigzag. That, so, okay, so we had, he had three ghost guest vocals here, one of which was terrible, that being Lou Reed, one of which was awesome, which is Christine Young. Yes. This one was in the middle. Middling. 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 Fair to middling. Fair to middling. Yeah. Yeah, so Earl Slick actually, you know, did guitar on Bowie's album from this year, Reality. Uh Uh-huh. Then Bowie just kind of slipped over to his studio to help him out with his uh, his, uh, solo album, apparently. Hey, our last thing on here was an all-remix compilation was released featuring contributions from... The Scum Frog. Yeah, that yeah. That'd be the best do, remix name ever, Jake. Do we right? need to, do we need to know your, about wait, the Scum wait, Frog? Wait, isn't that your re, re, your remix? Uh, I'm actually um, I'm actually Dirty Guana. Dirty Guana. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I not. Know. I thought about Scum Frog, but it was taken. Regrettably, the Scum Frog. Regrettably, it was taken. The shame. This is the shame. <laughs> really? So is. this compilation is called Club Bowie. Yeah. And uh, all but one of the original tracks are from the the 80s, and they were remixed, you know, more contemporaneously for this period. Uh And, Jake, I have got an all-music review that uh, I think is interesting. But, Jake, in honor of this club remix album, I need you to do something for me. I'm ready. Yeah. I want you to drop Mm. a four-on-the-floor... Yeah. Repetitive bass beat. Yeah. While I read this music review. Are you going to do that for me? Oh, man. Chaz, I thought you'd never ask. I was. This is the part I was born to play, baby. Yes. <laughs> All right, Jake. I you can lay do it that. down, and I'll come in when I'm ready. All right. All right. We'll let you go for like six or seven minutes before we do uh-huh. anything else. Uh huh. In honor right. so, of this album. Now, what it represents. Can I just ask? This is an important question. In, 2000, yeah. in 2003, did was the Club Bangers, did they kind of have like a drop? 
like um, like some of the music now, or was it, was it just the four on the floor? I want just the four. Well, I mean, in honor of this album, I just want the four on the floor. Okay, I, hey, it's your show, man. It's your hey, sh- it's hey. your showy. Got it. Okay, ready? All right. All music review by Dave Tom. Oh, you're supposed to go and keep going, Jake. I am. You just can't oh. hear me because you're shouting your review. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. You're screaming it. <laughs> Listen, the beat is the beat is what it's all about, okay? Alright, here it goes. The beat can't stop. Don't let the beat stop, Jake. Don't okay. drop the beat. <laughs> you stop me. You stop the beat. Tell yourself. I dropped the beat. You dropped it. Alright. Oh. Alright. One, two, ready, go. All music review by Dave Thomas. Ranging from the really good scum frogs loving the alien and Solaris' fashion to the frankly appalling almost everything else. There's a great boy remix album out there somewhere, something that picks up the nine-minute cat people that made it onto Australia promo in 1982, extended absolute beginners, and the Pet Shop Boys' masterful remix revision of Hell's Space. What does not need are the Club Bali assault on Let's Dance and China Girl, Danny Saber's pointless revision of Magic Dance, and, and David Guetta's mind-churringly monotonous march through heroes. That, however, is what Club Bowie delivers, and the sooner the place is closed down, the better. <laughs> yeah! That's going to number one. I really enjoyed a mind-churringly monotonous march. Oof. That was a, that's a good that's a good mind like charringly it charringly it's it char- not numbingly it's charringly it chars your it mind burned your brain it's it was so monotonous it, it hurt your your brain charred function it's just cinders <laughs> and ashes now <laughs> uh, well yeah the- uh, it actually is not available online I found a couple tracks from it which were not very good you're and, just uh, you're finding a lot of you're finding a lot of stuff that's not around anymore well and there are reasons why. Something's gonna shut down. And well, the way I the way I see it, Chaz, is the the way we look at the world is the way we really are. See it from a far garden, and everything looks cheerful. Climb to a higher plateau, and you'll see plunder and murder. Hey, yeah, let's talk about Bowie's hair real quick. Shall we? Then. Is this your in hair? Yeah, you're in hair. Hey, mm-hmm. hit it up. Yeah. Hit it up, buddy. Hit it. This is his most Bon Jovi hair year, right here. Whoa! This well, is I guess special. he just between 2003 and 2004, because his look didn't change there. Bon Jovi hair, so we're talking about this, like, long... You know, it's the Bon Jovi hair of that period, too, because Bon Jovi had a weird comeback in, like... He did. The early I could not believe it. I it's know your call. Still, it's it's still unbelievable. And other, like, young... It's my life! Dun, 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 dun. Had the same look. Like, uh, I'm thinking of the Goo Goo Dolls in particular. They all had this haircut, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's, like, you know, asymmetrical and kind of long in front and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spiky, kind died. of. I think kind of died in there, yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the Frost Bon Jovi hair brings down his whole style appearance. But overall, he was looking good. He's relaxed and trendy. Oh, yeah, he was hot. Yeah, He's just looking good. He's hot dad. Hot dad mode, full-blown. Mm-hmm. He's often in a t-shirt, which is a weird look for David Bowie. It's not something you see. It's just him I in a like, t-shirt. I like the t-shirt look. No, I think it works. I'm not okay. saying it doesn't. It's okay. just strange to see Bowie just wearing a t-shirt. Like, right. It's not, not him. <laughs> so he's got a lot of this like really trendy but kind of like weathered-looking clothing. This was very much you know of the period where – I mean, you still see it somewhat now, but like the like, pre-frayed edges on things and, you know – the holes pre-made in jeans before you even buy them. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, pre-distressed. A lot of, a lot of Pre- the like kind of earth tones was very. That was very early two thousands. You know, mm, earth tones. Earth tones. Pre-distressed uh, jeans. But he's looking all right. Yeah, he's wearing jeans. Yeah, 
Bowie in jeans and a t-shirt on stage performing. It's kind of jarring. It's kind of confusing. So it's kind of like those old, really misogynistic um, Looney Tunes cartoons where they like they start at the bottom of the a woman and like they keep going up her body and she's you know she's very shapely and all that and then they get to her face and it's just like Bleh! it's like a you know traditionally like ugly face. That's yeah. kind of like what Bowie was doing in two thousand three. I'm not really following you here. That's cool. <laughs> Fine. I'm not saying he looked bad. Any part of him looked bad. I'm saying that it's just strange to see Bowie in jeans. No, no. I'm jeans. saying that like he was looking good. His bod, his dad bod, was look was rocking. But then he yeah. had the Bowie. There, oh, the, the he hair. had the, he he had the John the Bowie hair. Oh, okay. So we had to get like past his face all the way up to the hair before. Yeah, like, I guess so. In, <laughs> right. You're like, Ugh. before the wolf whistles stop. Yes. Like, you got it. And they get to the air. Yeah, yeah. Okay, something like that. Yeah, okay. I'm with you, Jake. Hey, you. hey, 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 hey. You know what I have to say to that? Speaking of hot, of hot dads, oh. let's send things right over to Jake here. Okay. Uh, Chaz, I just have this to say before I get started. Yeah. If I know nothing else, I know at least one thing is true. That the sacred is the ordinary, the common things in life. They tell you that everything is nonsense, that the laws of nature are nonsense, gravity is nonsense, relationships don't exist, jobs don't exist. Everything is up for grabs, and there's no cause for anything. I guess you could say I was pushed downhill, but my fall from grace didn't end at the bottom of the stairs. It went on, and it seemed to go on forever. All of us in some way are trying to kill time. When it's all said and done, time ends up killing us. Drop that mic. Did you hear that, everybody? I <laughs> that dropped was, that was, it. That was a pen. It was a pen. It's a mic. You should drop your <laughs> desktop computer, which is very inside. <laughs> you know what? I feel so philosophical see what right see what, now. See what happens, Jay. I think I could drop. I could. You know what? This computer's from 2010, so drop, it probably... Drop the Mac, Jake. It's a tank. It won't break. Forget the mic. Drop the Mac. <clears throat> so, um, I lied to you, audience, and to you, Chaz. Um, because I, I passed off these pearls of wisdom that I've been interjecting throughout Charlie's, uh, portion as if they were my own, but they're not my own. What they are? What? What? I know. You'd think that I was the world's smartest man. I'm appalled. I'm ending this podcast (laughs) right now. Oh, well, see you later. I got, I got some other stuff to talk about. Mostly Chaz, what, what Dave or what Bob Dylan did in 2003 was almost nothing except star in and write under a pseudonym, Sergei Petrov, in a movie that was terrible called Masked <laughs> and Anonymous. I didn't know he did another movie. Oh, man. This was his most... Because he had one in the 70s, right? He did. That was yeah. um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, he was... No, it was not Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. No, I'm sorry. It was... Um, oh that being a, really mov- a real movie that's really good. Actually, yeah, that's one of the best movies ever made, apparently. Uh, no, it was a it's Sam, really it was good. a Sam Peckinpah movie, uh, Pat Garrett and the Billy the kid. kid, Billy the Kid, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. No, okay. Pat Garrett and the right. incredible. Keep talking and I'm going to figure out. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so sorry. I wasn't prepared to, uh, uh, to talk about that. I don't even know the name. Um, actually that was the, that was the 30th anniversary. That was in 1973. No, Bob Dylan straight up stars in Mastin Anonymous, and he also co-wrote it with the director, Larry Charles. 
And what I was what I was feeding you during your well, all those philosophical comments were things that Bob Dylan's character said in the movie Mastin Anonymous. <laughs> he said that he uttered those things on screen in a movie. It is, it is Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. But he was only a part in that. He did the soundtrack for it. But in this movie, he does part of the soundtrack. Didn't he make a movie? Oh, I was thinking of Ronaldo and Claire. Yeah, he made Ronaldo and Clara. Okay, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, okay. Bob Dylan's history with the movies is a, a poor is a poor track record. Like it's <laughs> bad. Like probably the best one he was in was the the Billy the Kid one, um, but he, he you know he wasn't really in that for very long. He stars in Mastin Anonymous, okay. and um, I have a I have a I have a multiple choice question for you to to just get us get us going here, Chaz. Let's just roll it. Let's roll it. Let's, Let's roll it. it. Okay, what was Bob Dylan's name in the movie? Okay. Um, I'll ask you, do you want the synopsis of the movie first, or would you like me to ask you what Bob Dylan's character was named first? I want the synopsis first. Okay. An, yeah, iconic, an iconic rock legend, played by Bob Dylan, um, is sprung from prison by unscrupulous concert promoters looking to put on a benefit concert that nobody knows what it's for. It's a slightly futuristic North America where chaos and anarchy reign. It actually sounds like it could be an interesting movie. It does sound that way, but it's not. I'll just spoiler okay. alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what, was Bob, what, was, what was Bob Dylan's... Immediately after we've done recording this podcast. <laughs> Do not watch it. I will tell you why. Okay. Okay. Uh, Bob Dylan's name, the character in the movie... Wait, we don't have any full frontal nudity from Bob, do we? Because that's, ha- that's happened in Bowie movies before. And I was, we you know, luckily, for, it. for the love of everything holy, we do not have that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bob Dylan, for not undressing during this movie. It's the only thing that could have made it. Go back inside and take care of that. It's the only thing that that could have made it worse, I'm pretty sure. All right, so what was Bob Dylan's uh, character's name? Was it A, John Rock? Was it (laughs) B, Jack Fate? Was it C, Bob Dylan? Was it D, Jake Chance? Was it... Uh, what am I on now? E, maybe? E? e. <laughs> Seymour Butts. <laughs> <laughs> or was it E, David Bowie? Or F, <laughs> David Bowie? What do you think? Uh, right, what were the three real ones again? Okay, so there's John uh, Rock. John Rock. Something J- Jack something Fate and Jake Chance. It's definitely one of those three. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm going with Jake Chance. Oh, you're so close. It was Jack Fate. Jack Fate. That was Jack a, Fate. No, it's not have a good ring to it. It does not like a good, you know. No. Like Don um, Rock, even though it's a dub name, has a better ring to it. I don't know <laughs> I don't know where to start with this movie. Here here's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm going to go um I'm gonna go and I'm gonna I'm gonna do the other things that he did in two thousand three, which was almost nothing. Let's let's start with the never ending tour. He did, did nine, it end in 2003? Uh, no, it continued. Spoiler alert. No, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's hard-hitting news right there. That's, <laughs> that's, up to, that's up to the minute news. There we go. Right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, 98 concerts. Have you figured out if he beat David Bowie in that year yet? Oh, no. I wasn't being into that. I right. actually listened to you by accident. All right. I, I try not to. Every once in a while, I accidentally listen to you. I'm so sorry. Um, 11, he did 11 shows in Oceana. He did 54 in North America and 33 in Europe. So he really spread it around this year. He opened for The Dead, which is The Grateful Dead without Jerry Garcia, who has been right. pa- passed for eight years. 
He did that. He opened for them for ten days, and then he did a he did a nice little tasty double bill with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, just like just like it was the mid eighties again, you know, <laughs> just like hey, remember that? <laughs> Tom Petty's like, no, it was a bad time, wasn't it? And Bob's like, yep. Yeah, no. Uh, your guy wins. Your guy wins again. How many? Only thirty one dates in. Oh, that's oh, wait, wait, thirty five, but still, he did a lot more dates in two thousand four. Most of the dates were Okay, play. so he was touring off the album for, for two years. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the comforting thing about Bob Dylan's never-ending tour, is it just, it starts sometime in the beginning of the year, and it ends sometime at mm-hmm. the end of the year. And then he, I don't know, he goes, <laughs> so and, not, he celebrates Christmas, and he comes back and does it all again. The reality came out, I think, in September, so okay. he didn't start until after that. Sure, 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 sure. All right, so he did that. Um, he also released a single from a movie, which I sort of remember at the time. Do you remember Gods and Generals? I think, it was, I think it was a Civil War movie. Um, All right. One of Dylan's like things he was doing in the early 2000s through the mid-2000s, he was, he was kind of like a really respected soundtrack artist. Like they would send him, I don't know, the synopsis of the movie or some footage or something, and he would write these great songs for it. He won an Oscar for it in mm-hmm. 2000, 2000 whatever. Now, the question, though, Jake, is yeah. you know, how many tracks did he, uh, did he supply for Charlie's Angels 2 Full Throttle? Um, he did nine of them. That was nine. nine? Oh, yeah. nine. So yeah. the soundtrack is just nine Bob Dylan tracks and right. a recorded version of Rebel Rebel. Right. And Lucy Lou, yeah. Lucy Lou dressed up as Bob Dylan. Um, <laughs> and from 1962. I'm just impressed that you off the top of your dome know another one of the women who are in. But yeah, I think I know the, all, I think I know all three and I don't I'm know why. Sure it's Cameron, Cameron Diaz is the last yeah, one. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. going to say. I mean, I was looking this up, so there's a reason why I remember it, but there's no good reason why you would remember, but I'm proud of you for remembering anyway. I don't know why I know that. Um, I was making fun of you for going through puberty. Maybe it was me. Maybe I was the one going through puberty. <laughs> Did you have a crush on Lucy Liu when you were in middle school? I kind of have a crush on her now. I mean, it'd be okay if you did. I mean, no I, I don't. I don't remember having a crush on Lucy Liu um, at any at any point. Okay. What about Cameron Diaz? No, I think no, not really. I never had a crush on her. No, I didn't either. I'm trying no. to think of who the actor. You know what my first crush was? Was uh, was Darlene Pers- on Darlene on Roseanne? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought she was great. So counterculture. <laughs> She was such a snot. <laughs> Just great. Did you watch Roseanne? I, I don't remember really watching Roseanne. I think we did. Sometimes. Mm. I don't know. Boy, this has gotten this has gotten great. This is good podcasting right here. This has gotten super, <laughs> this super is awesome. Anyway, who, cross- we crush- who we had crushes on in the mid-90s. I don't even remember. Uh, oh, you know who my biggest one was? Was uh, Tia Carrere or Career from um, oh, Wayne's, from Wayne's World. World. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> She was a musician, and she rocked yeah. out, and she, yeah, you know, she didn't take no guff from Wayne, so that was all good. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, Jay, do you remember the name of Garth's girlfriend at the end of Wade's World 2? Um, so I think, I think we have a misunderstanding Like here. the one that looks just like him? Yeah, you're, you're talking about the one that looks like him. I was talking about, I was talking about his super hot one that try, was trying oh, to get him to kill his... That's... that's <laughs> That's Kim. That's Kim Basinger. Yeah, it's like she yeah, won an Oscar. No, I mean, was like the whole thing as a joke. As you had like, where there's the one who looks just like him. You had a crush on the one that looks like Garth. No, she is just a joke. It's just a joke. Hey, you know who was in Wayne's World too, though? Kim Basinger was was Drew Barrymore. She was. As Birgen Kiergen. Oh, like, like, the very sexual, like, Scandinavian woman. Yeah. 
I do remember that. That's Drew Barrymore. Hey, everybody, just probably, go. Let's probably go have part a, of the reason why I had a crush on her. Let's go have a nice uh, Wayne's World movie marathon. Uh, <laughs> I'll take about. That sounds great. Let's take about that. three hours. I loved those movies. I love those movies. I really did. Okay, let's talk about. I don't know. But it's been many years since I've seen them, so maybe I would not enjoy them. As I much think the first one is generally considered like still a classic, but I think I don't they know. both have got like got decent reviews. Yeah, I think. I liked Wayne's World too. Like good sequel. Speaking of sequels, Wayne's World two is sixty one percent on. Yeah, on they're not, wrong. Not amazing, but they're not wrong. awful. They're wrong. That's valid. That's that's still like you know fresh. That's still <laughs> super fresh. It's still fresh. <laughs> like this funky fresh beat. Alright, I'm gonna read you the most Bob Dylan story I can uh that I've heard in a while. Mm-hmm. Um Bob Dylan this is the reason that this movie got made. Mastin Anonymous came out. In okay, all right, all right. Back okay, on you ready? Track. We're back on Throw track. Back at you with something that has something to do with all right. something. I'm just reading from Wikipedia. I give them all the credit or whoever it was that put this in here. I hope it's true. In the late 1990s, Dylan was allegedly inspired by the films of Jerry Lewis and decided he wanted to write and star in a slapstick television show for the HBO network. <laughs> Larry Charles, who had written and produced for Seinfeld and Mad About You, was brought in to meet with the musician regarding the project at Dylan's boxing gym in Santa Monica, which does exist. Wait, the, wait, wait, has, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the program. You're burying the lead here, Jake. I know. Well, this is one of the... He has a boxing gym? Yeah, he owns a boxing gym in Santa Monica, California. He still does? I believe he still does, yes. I mean, I, I box there... I box there once a month, you know, like not a yeah, lot. Yeah, okay, but. wait, does Bob box though? I don't think he does anymore. That would be dangerous for his health, I would imagine. Yes. I don't know, he's, you know, oh. I don't know, an American troubadour loving loving the old, the, the sweetest science or whatever they call it. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't get it. Okay. I, okay, I'm sorry, I was just really distracted by the fact that he owns a box. I know, that's that's Never why. Never to bring this up in. Well, that's part of the reason. I mean, it, it might as well have said, like, but he was. Slog again here? He was riding his bicycle with a clown nose on his face around the parking lot of a Costco or something. Like, this is just all, this is all weird Bob stuff. That's great. <laughs> okay, so Larry, Larry Charles said that during their initial meeting, a chain-smoking Dylan brought, quote, out this very ornate, beautiful box like a sorcerer would, and he opens the box and dumps all these pieces of scrap paper on the table. Every piece of scrap paper was a hotel stationery, little scraps from Norway and from Belgium and Brazil and places like that. And each little piece of paper had a line, like some kind of little line scribbled, or a name scribbled, quote, Uncle Sweetheart, quote, or a weird poetic line, or an idea or whatever. And he was like, quote, don't know what to do with all this. And for some reason, I was able to go, oh, you know, you could take this, this is a line, this is a line character, and the character could say this line. Dylan's scraps of paper served as the inspiration for much of the, po- of the project's story and script. So when I was when I was telling you all of the uh, you know super fun wacky philosophical comments that I was yeah, doing, were you like, doing them in the character of what Colonel Sweetums or whatever? No, that's Jack Fate. That's all things that Jack Fate said in the movie. Mm. He said those on celluloid. Like he wasted some great. He wasted some. <laughs> you know, it takes a lot to make some of that stuff. Anyway, so um, it tended turned out not to be a slapstick comedy anymore, but it turned out to be a movie that Larry Charles directed that was uh, turned into a drama. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Mastin Anonymous it made um, a whopping five hundred thirty three thousand 
$569 in the U.S. I could wow. not find out what the production cost was, but it was very cheap. Okay. And, uh, We're going to go ahead and safely assume it was more than that. It made a ton of money. <laughs> like, it made, like, dozens of dollars, if anything. <laughs> Uh, it also, if you're impressed, it, it made $12,530 internationally. So if you're into the... <laughs> so impressed. $12,000. The most impressed. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you the cast list. And the reason that it was so cheap is because all of these all of these actors worked for scale. They worked for union scale. Hey, they didn't, was they, Drew Barrymore in it? I just want to ask. Ask me for a friend. You're a little too excited about that. <laughs> all right, Bob Dylan was in it. I may have mentioned that. Yeah, I heard that. Um, <laughs> Jeff Bridges, Penelope Cruz, Penelope Cruz too. John Goodman, Jessica Lange, Luke Wilson, Angela Bassett, who should know better. Bruce. Dern- All these people should know better. Even Luke Wilson. <laughs> I don't know about Luke Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll give him a pass. But the rest of them. Uh, Bruce Dern. Ed Harris. Val Kilmer. Ed Harris didn't have a career yet, so he's, he's got to get some pass also. Oh, he totally did. He was in, like, Apollo 11 and all that, or 13 Wait, and I'm all thinking, that. I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah, you are. Ed Harris was a badass in 2003. He should not have been in this movie. Oh, I've uh, seen Ed Helms. Oh, yeah. That's probably more like it. Yeah, I feel like uh, Ed Harris, yes. He definitely knew better also. Oh, he was, he was way better yeah. than this. Uh, Val Kilmer, who, you know... <laughs> Who knows if he's better than anything? He plays he plays the best character. I wish I had I wish I had his entire speech, but it would take too long. Um, Cheech Marin, Mickey Mickey Rourke, nah. Hey, we're just sharing Mickey Rourke across Bowie versus Dylan lines here, and Christian Slater. All these people were in the movie. Christian Slater was still alive in two thousand three. Christian Slater is still alive now, bro. What am I thinking about now? You are confused. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. He's like, George Burns? He's dead! (laughs) Smoked a cigar a day! He died tragically young. Alright, so... um, Who died tragically young. uh, I will tell you that Brooke, my wife Brooke and I, um, settled down for a long winter's night of like watching this because I heard it was bad. It's got twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it got a slew of really bad reviews. What do they do with that many amazing, like big, awesome actors? They That's don't incredible. do they they do all the wrong things with them. They all do it because Bob Dylan was involved. Correct. With that's that, that's that behind all of it. That's They're the word like, on the street. Bob Dylan, there, I'm there. Exactly, and he wrote it. He wrote half the movie. He wrote it with Larry Charles. But by that. We mean like Bob Dylan wrote a bunch of stuff on scraps of paper, gave it to Larry <laughs> Charles, and Larry Charles was like, "Oh, I think I'll just cut and paste all these into a movie script." Um, Brooke and I tried to make a night of it. I thought it was going to be like a hilarious kind of a bad, like yeah, so bad it's good, kind of fun. But it was it was so bad we didn't make it more than twenty five minutes through the movie. Like it's just it's a series. <laughs> go any further than that? Huh? It's a series of scenes where Dylan's like wandering through. Um, an area, and he'll come up, and it's like Cheech. Cheech Marin's just sitting on a on a on a park bench, and it's kind uh-huh. of this po- post-apocalyptic kind of a thing um, where like the government doesn't really exist, and like anarchy is all around, and and they'll just have these they'll just have a conversation in which each character exchanges some sort of like weirdly philosophical statement, uh-huh. uh huh, and that's it. 
And, like, you can tell, like, John Goodman is trying to wring some sort of um, comedy out of the whole thing. But the script is so bad. And, you know, I have to apologize because that's Bob Dylan's fault. Yeah. And we can just... We're blaming him. It's one of those movies where you can tell, like, this is not getting any better. This is just going to... This is going to happen for the next hour and a half. And I can't... I can't be here for it. I can't sit through this. It sucks I I want you to know that I watched all of uh, Just a Gigolo. I just want to remind you that... I don't think it could have been as bad as Master Anonymous. You, yeah, you, you okay. just you try it. You watch it. I paid four bucks no. on Amazon for it, and I want don't my money. I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> I want you, my money back uh, right now. All right, and so along those uh, lines, four bucks back. Along those lines, um, I did find a I did find a very fun uh, review from Roger Ebert, still alive in two thousand three. So don't get too excited about that. <laughs> no, I knew he was still alive. He has a four star system. He gave it a 0.5 out of 4. Hey, whoa. All right. And uh, he has a little anecdote here. Um, the other thing about Mastin Anonymous is it did debut at the Sundance Film Festival in 2003. Uh-huh. And so um, this is from Roger Ebert. He says, Dylan still exerts a mystical appeal. There can be no doubt. When the movie premiered at Sundance in 2003, there was a standing ovation when the poet entered the room. People continued to stand during the film in order to leave. and the auditorium was half empty when the closing credits played to thoughtful silence one of the more poignant moments in Sundance history then followed as director Larry Charles stood on the stage with various cast members asking for questions and then asking aren't there any questions so nobody had any questions about it apparently (laughs) everyone was too embarrassed to ask the question they wanted to ask why did you make that movie I I feel like Roger Ebert probably got kind of excited when he watched a movie this bad because he is a he's a saucy man. <laughs> he's saucy. He like he starts the whole thing out by saying that like at least Woody Guthrie's songs were about something. <laughs> it's like Dylan is impenetrable. His genius is to take simple ideas and make them impenetrable. He just he clearly doesn't like Bob Dylan to begin with, and he's like, "Well, okay. how, how can I? How can no, I rip? That's not fair. That's not fair. You how know, can I rip Dylan a new one? Oh wait, he's in a movie. Let's let's use that. And finally got my chance. The problem is, I kind of, I kind of not not with the obviously the historical uh, precedent for Bob Dylan and what he means and and why he's important and stuff like that. But for this movie, I definitely, I definitely get it. Um, he said, "Mastin Anonymous is a vanity production beyond all reason." I am not sure, however, that the vanity is Dylan's. I don't have any idea what to think about him. He has so long since disappeared into his persona that there is little received sense of the person there. The vanity belongs, perhaps, to those who flattered their own working... Oh, flattered their own by working with him. By assuming, in the face of all they had learned during hard days of honest labor on a multitude of pictures, that his genius would somehow redeem a screenplay that could never have seemed other than what it was, Incoherent, raving, juvenile meanderings. <laughs> uh, let's name that. Let's do a joint by a joint uh, autobiography. <laughs> I name it that right there. Incoherent, uh, whatever that whole thing was. Bowie versus Dylan. Yeah. Semicolon. Incoherent, raving, juvenile meanderings. <laughs> the book. The true story. Coming to you soon from the Bowie versus Dylan press. <laughs> of Jacob <Jake and> Charlie. <laughs> I read some other reviews about Dylan's acting. Um, there was um, somebody described him as, quote, near catatonic. Uh, quote, mute. I'm glad it was only near. It was. <laughs> he could speak, but just barely. Uh, quote, mute incomprehension, end quote. 
And then um, I think this is also an Ebert one, but he said he was making remarks that, quote, evoke the language and philosophy of Chinese fortune cookies. And um, and I thought that it was an even more inscrutable and even more dumb kind of like Forrest Gump kind of a language. <laughs> it was like this guy's just wandering through and everyone loves him, but nobody he doesn't know did why. You read one of the, and, did you read one of your shorter quotes, but in a Forrest Gump voice really quickly for us? Death. <laughs> <laughs> Are you... What kind of question is that? Of course I can. (laughs) (laughs) The way we look at the world is the way we really are. See it from a fair garden and everything looks cheerful. Climb to a higher plateau and you'll see plunder and murder. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, there you go. Hey, there it is. There it is. Um, The best part of the movie... Everyone agrees online, uh, which is where all the truth happens, <laughs> is that um, there was, a, there was a, a little scene with a young girl named, um, and I apologize if I have misspelled her or mispronounced her name, Tanache Kankingwe. Um, she, sang a, she sang live a version of The Times They Are Changing. Um, but of course, like the best part of the movie is not on the soundtrack, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and it, she's not credited in the end credits of the movie. She's in a scene <laughs> singing a song. And like, uh-huh. there's a whole thing about how she's singing the song. Not credited for some reason. Um, I googled Tanache Kakingwe, and she is now uh, at least a pop star of some minor repute. So I guess she got her revenge on the whole thing. Well, good for her. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I need to say about this awful movie. I don't think there is. I don't think there is. I think it's a bad job. I think it's a bad job by Dylan. Bad job by <laughs> Larry Charles. Bad job. bad job by everyone who was in it. They you, made sh- a bad, you made a bad movie, Bob. <laughs> you made a bad movie. I guess they shot it in like 20 days. Um, so people weren't, you know, super pressed for time on the whole thing. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a debacle on, on, along the lines of some other like Hollywood bombs. But it, it sucks. It's really bad. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the... Do you have anything to say before I go on to the soundtrack? Do you have any ph- philosophical coens to, to share with us? Um, life is like a box of chocolates. Yeah. Why? Some of them, some of them are rotten and disgusting <laughs> for some reason. You never really know why. <laughs> the rest of the box is good, but that one like tastes really bad. You kind of like, wonder, you know, what happened to that one? Some of them are maple-flavored, and that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I think you really hit the nail on the head with that, Chaz. It makes me think. That makes me really think. Um, okay, so I think the soundtrack is much like the movie. Like, there's a cool idea buried in it, and it, it ends up being like... In the soundtrack's case, I think it ends up being like a quarter successful. Um, so um, it's an internationally flavored alternate language tour of Bob Dylan's tunes. So there's... there's uh, there's a number of the tracks on there that are sung in another language from international artists. And so I thought that, I thought that part was kind of cool. There's yeah, actually yeah. like, there's, there's a, there's kind of a rap version of, um, uh, like a Rolling Stone that also okay. samples, samples some of the original song, but also has like okay. a rap element to it. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I kind of appreciate that. Um, however, like the, the soundtrack could have, supported the movie a little better if it just was that like let's just go with a whole cool soundtrack of international versions of bob dylan's songs 
in different yeah, languages. Yeah, I can appreciate that. You could yeah. go for that, right? Yeah. yeah. But what they did is they did like four or five of those, and then they also threw on some Grateful Dead covers, some live Grateful Dead covers of okay. no Bob Dylan no songs. Um, and then they also did uh, some live versions with Bob Dylan playing with his touring band at the time, which has Charlie Sexton and is generally considered his, his best touring band um, yeah. of, that, okay. of that time. So the story behind that is that Bob Dylan took his band in and they recorded all these things live. And it's the, it's the, first, in, you know, it's the first live recordings of his touring band at that time. Yeah. So those are cool, too. And so those are sprinkled in. But, like... I, I definitely smell a bootleg series here. We're going to get, we <laughs> okay. for sure, we're going to get Mastin Anonymous, Bob Dylan and his band version. Because they went in and did 20 songs and only like two of them were used on the soundtrack. Okay. But like, why not just do the international flavored version? Why do we have to like put Grateful Dead versions of his songs <laughs> on there? What, what is, it's no, like, inco- it's incoherent, just like the movie. Maybe, maybe it did support the movie. Um, and so I just the whole thing was such a mess. Like I, you could tell they didn't know what they were doing. I watched I watched a uh, a trailer for the movie, and they you could tell they were trying to make it kind of like those uh, a little bit Quentin Tarantino y. Like here's okay. this cool indie movie with a bunch of like characters saying cool things. <laughs> uh, you know all the the rash of like uh, Tarantino imitators in the early two thousands yeah, yeah. and late nineties that came out after him. Um, kind of like, uh, what was that one that John Travolta was in? Get Shorty. I think they were trying to make it, like, Get Shorty. Do you remember that movie? Get Shorty. I, I remember the name of that movie. I don't think it's saw that movie. It was like cool badasses saying cool badass things, basically. But there was, there were, and some of those ended up being, like, reasonably successful. Like, I'm thinking of, Yeah. Uh, Get Shorty was great. Okay, I didn't say Get Shorty. But no. I, I don't remember what I'm thinking about. <laughs> uh, the, the Usual Suspects, that was a good one. That's somewhere in that vein, and, uh... Yeah. Great, great movie. I'm thinking of a different one with uh, John. His name. On. Just keep going. I can't remember anything right now. Apparently. <laughs> well, you remember. You remember <laughs> all the. You remembering all the wrong things. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, well, I remember a lot of things that didn't happen, but I can't remember the things that did actually, indeed, happen. Chance is like, didn't Bob Dylan die? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pr- yeah, let me let me just right, check. Right, right after Christian Slater. Hey, let me check this Why out, guys. Why is dad? Why am I thinking about? <laughs> I looked up. He's not dead. I swear he died. Tragically, um, Christian Slater. So River maybe Phoenix. I think of River Phoenix. River oh, Phoenix. River. Yeah. He did. He did. He definitely died a long time ago. Okay. Hold on here. Okay. Uh, young Indiana Jones, as he's more properly known. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking, but I have no clue why he is. You know. Connected with. Also, did you know that he is the brother of Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix? I did know that. I don't know why. I didn't know that until right now. Wow, we're learning. The reason I'm mixing him up with Christian Slater, I don't know why. Okay, I can going. see that. I can see that. Keep you going. should mix up Christian Slater. It sounds like uh, his early career was like a young Jack Nicholson. Like he did a Jack Nicholson impression in all his movies. <laughs> as as people do. <laughs> as people are are want to do. People all do right, that. I don't. I don't think I have anything else to say as. Hey, let's do some points. Let's hey, wait a minute. Points. I got to do year and fro. Okay, I have it. I have a new segment. What? Year and fro. Oh, year and fro. Yeah, do, do you have year. anything philosophical to say before I do year and fro? No, I can't remember any other lines from uh, Forrest Gump. So you don't. <laughs> no, something something that you made up, Chaz. Something that is philosophical. You have not said anything you've made up this entire time. I Why did. That. I have to make something up here. <laughs> I don't know. Year and fro. 
2000. Okay. Um, so I'm not gonna, you know, you're not gonna bow to this. I'm not gonna work on your double standard here, Jake. I'm not bending to your demands here. Okay. All right. I think we should both be in Master and Anonymous too. (laughs) Master and more anonymous. Uh, The first movie from (laughs) Boyer Studios. Coming to you never from Bowie vs. Dylan Studios. Master and more anonymous. <laughs> it stars Bob Dylan and the urn that David Bowie's ashes are were scattered out of. Yay, Carumba. Oh. <laughs> as well as Jake Andrew. <laughs> Still alive, by the way. <laughs> kicking it. Not cut down in our prime, tragically. Absolutely not. Like, made like, it, or Christian Slater. We made it way. <laughs> if only Christian Slater was still with us. <laughs> we're here, we're here with us to see Christian! We just appreciate this, I'm sure. You know, his career could have gone. Hey, Christian, we know you're out there. We know you're listed. Yeah, well, and, uh, sure, sure, sure. I just want to say that uh, we miss you. We miss you, buddy. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> He's A life cut short by tragedy. <laughs> so much left to give. So much left to give. Oh man. Okay. Um, so the year and fro. I should come up with a name. <clears throat> I could should come up with a song for the year and fro. I'll have to think about that. Um, so if you'll recall, 2002 was the year of the nasty hair wig. He wore it to the uh, the Newport <laughs> Folk Festival. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, he looks uh-huh. like a he looks like a homeless guy that's been on the streets since 1974. <laughs> Wait, is is he that? It might be that, Jake. Chaz, I want sure. you to do a favor while I'm talking about this. This is incredible. Um, 2003, of course, he probably still had the same fro underneath, but he put on a different kind of wig. I want you to Google Bob Dylan okay. 2003 Sundance Film Festival, and I'll just try to describe it before you see what happens here. Um, Bob Dylan 2003 Sundance. Yep. Okay, so it's the year of the boy band wig and get up. He showed up. <laughs> See, it's he like sh- Justin Bieber hair under there. Yeah, with a with a with a uh, a with ski cap on. Cap. So he's got the Vincent Price mustache and a blonde. I, I actually wrote down Bieber wig as well. A blonde Bieber wig covered by a ski cap. It's like. It's like, but he's got the scarf, too. The scarf is what really makes it, I think. It's like Grandpa Vincent Price in a boy band? He's got the plaid shirt and the leather jacket and then the scarf tied loosely around his neck. And he's also, like, in all the pictures, he's he's wearing this very quizzical, unsmiling look on his face. Like, uh-huh. he looks very, very confused. I see one where he's got, like, the, the lip pursed. I don't know if they, they might have been taken, like, you know, while he's in the middle of talking or something. But he's the pursing. lips are pursed, like, like the kind of duck face that, you know, yeah, girls like, in like, selfies. Yeah, like women make when Five, ten years ago? When they've had some work done. Yeah, yeah, that's what he looks like. So, I mean, I guess I, I kind of hey, land... A lot of pictures of him with, with Jessica Lange. Yes, they did, a, they did an interview, apparently, together. And she was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I shouldn't have been in this movie. I'm sorry, America and, and the world. Um, I, I think I land on the side of in, like impressed, and I think it's fun that Bob Dylan wears weird wigs and costumes to things. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, what, what do you think? I have a proposal here, Jake. I'm wondering, it's hard to tell with his stocking cap on. What if it's actually a, a Bon Jovi haircut under there? 
it have to have, it would have to have like possible. It would have to it would have to have like a ducktailed mullet. Does it have one of those? I can't tell. We can't see the back of the snack at all. I mean, it's Boy did not have a duck-tailed mullet at all in the Bon Jovi hair, haircut. Okay. That's definitely, that's like... Not, that's not his early 2000s. That's not Bon Jovi's early 2000s look. That's a boy band. That's a boy band look. That's not a Bon Jovi look. I, no, I know, but I, I'm just... I guess under the cap, maybe? Under the ski cap? I that, uh... Oh, yeah, Bon Jovi's got more hair in back than I was remembering. <laughs> yeah, I swear there was a mullet involved. Like, kind of. Yeah, it's almost mullet in 2003. Okay, I was remembering this a little bit, a little bit wrong. Like, the front... Top front part. That's still Bowie. Party in the front. Bowie did not. No, he had a, he had a, he had business in the back. <laughs> not party in the back. <laughs> no, no. He's well. I guess that's better. I mean, would you rather have Bon Jovi's real hair or Bob Dylan's boy band wig from two thousand three? <laughs> you have to choose. Uh, you have to choose one. I have to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like. I'm gonna go with Bowie. I'm gonna go with Bowie. No, you gotta go Bon Jovi, not Bowie. He doesn't have Wait, the mullet. Bon Jovi? Oh, yeah. no, I'm going. With, I'm going with Bob Dylan. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I think that Bon Jovi haircut is iconic, but it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you have? I think if I did do it, I with the, the Dylan one, I would need I would need the Vincent Price mustache to top it all off. Because uh-huh. that's ridiculous. He, I mean, he's, he's like, he looks like an 80 year old man in a boy band. <laughs> Which is something we could all, like, that just feels like a killer concept for a sitcom, right? <laughs> Coming soon from BBD Studios. Oh, Bowie versus Dylan Studios are rocking right now. We got a great idea, networks, network TV. Well, hey, I heard about a, uh, Tina Fey has a new show coming out at some yeah. point soon called uh, Girls Five Ever. Okay. Uh, Five Ever. And I guess the concept is it's a girl band from the late 90s who was, uh, you know, a one-hit wonder. And they're getting back together for a reunion something or other. And it sounds like it could be wildly entertaining. And it sounds like what we just, you know, the concept we just pitched, except we're taking it to the next level and having an 8-year-old rather than just, you know, like 40-year-olds. <laughs> uh, I think we're really going places is what I think. We are. Hey, can I do points yet? We're like... Yeah, that's all right. We were, we were feeling tight, and now we are not. We are just... Going. We're blowing it up, baby. <laughs> uh, wait, I, got, I just have something to say before you start with that. I know uh, what you mean. Another one. Yep, last one. Last one. I know what you mean. Kind of like a curse, isn't it? Being born. <laughs> <laughs> actual line from an actual movie. You should have said that as worth a <laughs> All right, I'll try it again. Okay, one more time. It's, it's one more time. <laughs> I know what you mean. Kind of like a curse, isn't it? Being born. <laughs> oh, so much better. We could start. So much better. We could start doing it as Sling Blade as well. What about that? <laughs> uh, wait, was Drew Barrymore in that? I don't think so. Yeah, she starred um, as as Sling Blade. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Going off the rails, if you're out man. Listening, we know you are. I just want you to know that I moved on decades ago, but uh, <laughs> it was, still, I, I offer you my best wishes. It was wherever you are, 40, whatever you're doing. Forty years ago is when I moved on. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> she's. I think she's still pretty cute. She's always been cute. I, you know, I, I don't remember the last time I saw her in anything, doing anything anywhere. I have no clue. No hey, clue. am I supposed to? Am I supposed to give points for year and fro? 
uh, person who gave us this idea. I'll just I'll just you. I just I did not give points for my year in here just this now. Just, oh, you have to. Forgot, Come on. I forgot do about it. it. We'll do it. I'm giving it a two and a half. What? For the Bon Jovi and I don't care hair? Well, it's uh, it's always on the Bowie scale of hair, which yeah, okay, you know, fair, for fair him, point. it's kind of it's pretty in the middle. It's in the middle. It's kind of dope, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, points! All right, points. I'm gonna start off with reality. The album, if you guys remember back to three hours ago when I was yeah. talking about the album, that was a it's great... a good solid album. I put it on from time to time. Do I, you? I enjoy this. Yeah, I do. I do. Always, always good to always good to know. I know, that's just like a sign of a... It's you know, a sign of quality. Song. It's one that I just choose to put on from time to time. Mm-hmm, when I'm in the mm-hmm, and I'm in the mood sometimes. It's more rockin' than heathen, but a uh, very similar style. His style, uh, starting with Hours in 1999, and it continued up until through 2000, uh, 2013's uh, Next Day of a pretty straightforward rock sound, kind of classic uh, rocky, you know. But it's, except for Hours, the first one, they're, they're good. They're good albums. They're good solid albums, even if not, they're not relatory, they're not amazing. Word. Uh, it was re-released also in 2013, or 2003, uh, that might have been 2004, uh, with a bonus video of him performing the entire album live. Uh, I found it online. I watched it. It's good. Sweet. It's good. This is the this is the show where I was talking about where he, uh, he takes off his jacket and people are screaming at him like they want him to take his shirt off. Yeah, that makes, that makes me want, uncomfortable, but I... They want it. that, but uh, he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. Uh, but the whole show was like, it's just, he's got a good show going on at the time. So, it's a good album, solid album, even if it's not revelatory. It's got a couple uh, interesting covers on there, including a uh, George Harrison cover of Try Some, Buy Some. Okay. Uh, anyway, I give it a two. It's a good album. Great. Good album, I like it. Love it. Next up is his tour. His tour was, this tour was very well received. It was, seemed like it was a good balance of songs. He had uh, retreated from his 90s era, refusing to play any hits ever. Um, and so he kind of has like one-third classic hits, one-third older rarities, and one-third solid new material, which is it's good. It's a good ratio. It good works mix. for him. Good mix. Uh, he, unlike normal for Bowie, you know, Bowie typically had a pretty set regular show that he'd play over and over again, often because they were so theatrical. There were different components to it that had to be kept in place. He couldn't just go with the flow. The show was not like that. The show was he had a good, a really good band behind him. Uh, they rehearsed a ton of different songs throughout the course of the tour. They played almost seventy-five different songs across the tour on different different dates, different shows, uh, which is way more than any other tour he ever did. Um, and so there was like some components where he would just like call out a song where it was like left open for him to decide whatever song they wanted to play at that time. Um, he played from at least one song from 18 out of his then 24 studio albums Dang. plus a variety of notable covers so he's covering he's That's covering nice. things here I like that so it was yeah well loved tour got great reviews so that's a solid one for his tour word and then singles he has one regular old single that being New Killer Star the first single off of reality it's a decent solid rocker I give it a point five. not a lot to say about it but it's it's, it's solid it's worth okay. listening to love it and then there were like eight different remix singles from Club Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, uh, no. I've chosen not to do rate Club Bowie or any yeah. of the singles. He obviously like gave permission to do this because his name's on it, but he didn't uh, have any input whatsoever as far as I can tell. I okay. Guess, I don't know. And so we're not rating any of those. Let's not. So we're ending with a solid 3.5. I like it. 2003. All right. 
Not a bad, not a bad year, not a bad year, Bowie. No, not at all. Um, Bob Dylan is not going to fare as well here. <laughs> yeah, I suspected as much. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, never-ending tour. As we said, ninety-eight shows. Um, my policy is that I give it a point, point uh, plus point five if nothing else um, is sort of like good or bad about it. So I'm going to do that. Um, let's go to the soundtrack for Mastin Anonymous. So what he actually contributed were a number of songs from this live session that he did with his band. Um, and those are very, very good. The soundtrack itself is very scattered. As I said, it's got the Grateful mm-hmm. Dead on it for no reason. Um, it's got these other sort of um, different language versions of his songs. Um, but his contribution is kind of, is kind of, is kind of sweet. So I'm going to give it a plus 0.5 okay. um, for his contribution to it. Now, his contribution to... The writing Mas- and, and acting, <laughs> and the very existence of Mastin Anonymous. Which um, okay, what what scale are you working on here, Jake? Because if it's just acting, it's usually one point. But he, I know, but he wrote it as well. Of the movie passed. He wrote passed it. He, no, I mean, he more than you know. A lot of times, like Dylan will like you can tell when he gives the green light to something. I mean, Columbia, mm-hmm. Columbia, or whatever has to be like, hey is this okay if we release this stuff? And he's like, yeah, sure. Or he's like, no, don't do that. (laughs) Uh, I mean, he was so involved in this thing. Um, And it stinks. It's just, it's really, (laughs) it's really bad. Let's give it a two-pointer, Jake. That's what I was going to do. So two points. That's what I got written down. So I'm going to do a negative 2.0. I think it's just bad. All right, just straight up negative The only good part, like I would give it a quarter point if we did that kind of thing, is that he wrote under the pseudonym Sergei Pedrov. (laughs) <laughs> which is fan that, it's fantastic <laughs> great job bob great job <laughs> i'm hoping that's one of the names he scratched out on some weird piece of paper from <laughs> belgium in his oh. ornately his ornate box larry charles wrote under a pseudonym as well but i can't remember what it is renee something or other anyway <laughs> they thought they were pretty funny but the movie nobody was... wanted to affiliate with this film with their real names yeah, but all these actors signed up. I mean, you've heard... Well, you know, they were stuck, though, because people would have recognized them. They couldn't just work a bunch beyond, you know... <laughs> John Goodman's they like... They couldn't be massive and anonymous, Jake, okay? <laughs> but the I, people who made it sure could. I think they probably felt like they should be afterwards. <laughs> like, I can't believe this. Um, I also have a, a, a great title for um, how... Uh, David Bowie took off his shirt and all the middle-aged ladies were screaming at him. <laughs> and men, too, not I'm just, sure. Not just the middle-aged No, no, middle-aged yeah, men as well. Um, I think he, he should, you should call that portion of, of that concert the Chip and Dave's experience. <laughs> Chip and Dave's? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> no? <laughs> I'm working a little blue. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, what do we got here? Uh, negative one is what I ended up with. <laughs> so Bowie wins that year, uh, as, he sh- wins as he should, again. as he should, again. It does every year ever. That's so not true. <laughs> Did he win 1982? He must have. Hey, speaking of years in which Bowie doesn't win, why don't we talk about what we're doing next? What is it? You talk it's about 1991. 1991. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> Did I remember the party like it's 1991, Jake? I think we're going to have to do like a Smells Like Teen Spirit kind of a theme for yeah, 1991. Cool. M- music changed. Uh, it's a Bowie. Bowie's doing Tin Machine. It's a Tin Machine year, so yeah, you Bob, guys know what that means. Bob Dylan was trying to figure out how to stay relevant, but he wasn't, <laughs> but he wasn't doing it. 
That was Bowie and not doing it. Bowie was trying at least. Well, you just said that Dylan was trying but not doing it, and then you said, "But Bowie was trying." Well, I, I think Bowie I was. He was thinking about how to stay relevant. That's oh, different. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bowie was actually out there trying to be relevant, <laughs> just failing spectacularly. Hey, so, with all that in mind, we're gonna wrap things up. It's gone way too long on this incoherence. Way too of, short of BBD. Hey, I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And we'll uh, talk at you next time. We sure will.